Welcome to Open to Hope Radio with your host, mother-daughter team, Dr. Gloria and Dr. Heidi Horsley. This show is brought to you by the Open to Hope Foundation with the mission of helping people find hope after loss. This show has been edited for your convenience. Now, Open to Hope Radio. Our guest today, our first guest is Elaine Williams, and our topic is going on after the death of a husband. Elaine Williams was left a widow at age 47 with three boys to raise. Elaine is the author of Journey Well Taken and says that despite challenges that arise when things fall apart, loss can help us uncover our own strength, purpose, and dignity. Welcome to the show, Elaine. And thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. It's great to have you on the show, Elaine, and, and also thank you for being a writer for us. Um, your book, I've been reading it, and uh, it's, it's, you have such a, a clear way of writing. I, I've really enjoyed reading A Journey Well Taken, talking a bit about the death of your husband. Uh, could you talk a, a little bit about his death? Well, uh, we were together 23 years. We were married 20 years. My husband was very rarely sick, and then one day out of the blue, he suddenly... Um, he couldn't keep food down, uh, so we went to the doctor, and after all the tests and everything, they said that basically he had esophagus cancer, which we didn't know anything about this, and when you hear the word cancer, I mean, that it seems like one of the worst things you could ever hear in your life in relation to anyone, much less a loved one. So from there, um, he did everything possible that you know we could think of to hopefully get him through this. And unfortunately, the more research I did, the more kind of scary it got because last stage esophagus cancer, the prognosis isn't good. It's something like 5%, you know, survival rate. But at any rate, we didn't lose hope. We, you know, I I took care of him basically through various procedures. He elected to go pretty much um, alternative medicine um, because in his own mind, he just felt that doing the traditional route, chemo and radiation, for him, he just had it in his mind that he would be dead within a month and a half. So we worked together, our entire family, basically, through this 11-month period with the hope that, you know, he would get better. And I guess sometimes people say you're in denial, whatever it is, but you're living this day-to-day and you're always hoping and you don't want to give up hope. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had somebody tell us the other day that his sister... We had him on the show, uh, Gary Malkin, and he said his sister has uh, cancer, and he said he used to think he's very involved with end-of-life issues, and he said, I used to think that you really should face it, and he said, you don't do that. You have hope. Yeah, because it gets to a point where if you're saying, well, this is the end of it, there's only a 5% chance of survival, then you've pretty much kind of given up hope right there. At least that was my mind. Yeah, you've got to have something to get you up in the morning and going. Right. Exactly. So then your your husband passed away, and you were left with your three boys, right? What ages were they? Right. Uh, my youngest was 10. Uh, my next son was 18, and my oldest son was 19. Uh-huh. And what, what a challenge. Talk a little bit about some of your feelings about having to raise these boys alone, because I know uh, some of our audience out there who are sitting now, their uh, spouse has passed away, and they're sitting either, uh, either the husband or wife, and they're raising their children alone. Tough deal, huh? Yeah, you know, you would maybe you would think not before going through this, you would think, well, okay, the two older boys, they probably can handle it better. But 
you know what? It, it, it was a good, I want to say a good six months before things really started to, quote, unquote, hit the fan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, my youngest son, 10 at the time, then he turned 11 within that six months, he would cling to me. Um, he had always been kind of an independent kid. My, all my kids were kind of independent, but he started clinging to me. He would hang on me. He'd come and, um, you know, he'd give me kisses at night, which was fine, but he'd, he'd come back. He'd do it three or four times at night. And then one time he said to me, just we were talking and, and taking a walk, and just out of the blue, very calm, you know, very calm, he says to me, well, what happens if you die? What's going to happen to me? So, you know, I tried to reassure him that I had certain things in place. I said, you know, your aunt and your grandparents, and, you know, I just explained to him that you are not going to be left alone, but, you know, I'm only 47. I do intend to live a long time. I have a lot I want to do. Now, I think that's really important what you just said, don't you, Heidi? Reassuring that you, you will live. Yeah, he needed that reassurance. That and the fact that you have something in place, God forbid anything did happen. You re- you really reassured him on all ends. I think you've handled it beautifully. I do too, because sometimes we have people say, "Well, if something should happen to me. Your aunt's going to take care of you." But you went that extra mile, mm-hmm. saying, "You know, I'm young, and you know, nothing's going to happen to me." Because uh, it's been our experience that kids really do need that. Yeah, and I didn't even know until he brought this up that he was thinking about stuff like this. And interestingly, this was within I want to say within the first month and a half. I also had thoughts of my own after going through this. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, my gosh, my kids have lost their, their father. What happens if I were to get sick? What, mm-hmm. what if I die? My kids, you know, they'll, they'll be totally, you know, they have grandparents, family, but it's not, it's not the same. Right. So, so, so you, you had those normal, the, a normal yeah. fear for our audience out there. If you've just had a spouse die, and a normal fear is that something would happen to you and you would... Leave. And also the other fear is certainly fear for your kids. And I, I know you talk about that in the book, one of your kids having an automobile accident and, and the fears. And I know that's a, a thing for our audience, very normal too. Back then, as I said, about the first six months, I mean, things were pretty much numb and you're just kind of doing things by rote. And I just wanted to make sure things were in place for the kids. You know, they're in school. Well, it was, then it was, it was summer break. But then you go back to school, so you've got changes. And my youngest son was worried that the kids might mentioned something about him losing his father so I did speak to the teacher and just said listen just talk to the kids beforehand and say yes this did happen but you know just be nice to to my son and and maybe um don't bring it up unless he wants to talk about it you know mm-hmm. and for him, I love the fact that you went to the school don't you Heidi I, yes because you advocated and sometimes we have to teach people how to be good grief support especially at the schools because they don't necessarily know Great that you went in you know, there. And the they reason, do want to help. The reason I did that is because the year before, my, my youngest son's grandmother had died, and his teacher said something in front of the whole class, and my son came home in tears. Mm. And, and that, was, that was something that, when this happened with my husband, I, I knew enough to say, listen, I, I've got to do a little something so that this doesn't happen again. Right. So e- even if it's been a while, you can go in and talk to the school. Yeah. I remember when my 14-year-old daughter, after her son died, the the math teacher, um, I went in to talk to him because he said she'd been talking in math and uh, she was a good math student, but she was disrupting other people. And I went in and I said, well, you know, her brother died this year. And he said, oh, we've all lost parents, you know. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, this is, it may be, but this is really hard for her. 
So, you know, I mean, you just have to go in and meet people where they are yeah. a lot of times. And unfortunately, I did find early on that sometimes people in their ignorance trying to help are trying to to push you into something, <laughs> you know, get over it, you know, and, and they're trying to push you into something that they don't even understand. They're trying to help, supposedly, but they're kind of making the situation, you know, more painful. Right. Well, I wanted to talk uh, a little bit about, because in the book, you, you have a wonderful section on dating. Um, and you're such an excellent writer. Journey Well Taken is uh, Life After Loss is a great book if you lost a, a partner. Um, could you talk about how people can get to your book, and then I want to talk a little bit about your dating. Where they can get it? Uh-huh. Um, they can get it off my website, ajourneywelltaken.com. Uh, or you can go to Amazon, Barnes & Noble. It's available quite a few different online uh, stores. And we'll have it also up on uh, our website. So talk a little bit about your dating. How, how far out did you get? You, you were only uh, 47, and you're thinking, I don't think I want to be alone all my life. How long did it take you to, to think about that? Well, the, the loneliness really started hitting once the numbness wore off, which was six months, um, and then we were into the first anniversary wedding anniversary, which was October. It would have been our 21st. And then we get into Thanksgiving, and of course the holidays, it really seems to And how about Valentine's? Do you remember that, since we got Valentine's coming up? Yeah. And then Christmas, and then by the time Valentine's hit, um, Christmas I was really down and depressed, and it was weird because I didn't even realize what was going on until after Christmas I started to feel a little bit of a lightening of that real deep sadness, and I realized... It was hitting me. I mean, you would think you would realize, but you don't. But it was hitting me that this was really, um, you know, this loneliness was was hitting me so hard. It was it was such a deep ache inside. And I decided, well, it's been almost a year. Maybe I'll think about start dating again. And then I was kind of like afraid to mention it because, oh my gosh, my kids might, you know, might take it the wrong way, and my family, what are they going to think? So I decided to do online dating, which again. I had been out of dating for about 25 years, and um, to go back into dating when everything is totally different, and then to think about internet dating, so I, you know, got into it. I looked at the online profile, you know, I did the online profile, and I had a couple dates, and at the time, now this was a year, uh -huh. what I didn't realize was <laughs> I was really um, pretty emotionally unavailable. I was... There was this deep hole inside of me of loneliness, and I thought if I went out on dates, if I got a relationship going, that, you know, it would take care of that loneliness. Right. And of course, in hindsight, uh, years later, I'm amazed at myself because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I was, like, so unready to date. I was going to say, Elaine, did it make you really realize, in a sense, wow, I can't replace my husband? No, you know what? That's the one thing I was not looking to replace. Okay. I was looking to somehow feel um, not alone. Right. Mm -hmm. But that it, makes there was sense. never any thought of replacement because as I had, as I finally said to my kids when I told them I was thinking about, I said, listen, I don't have a social life right now. I'm mm -hmm. feeling, you know, pretty isolated. Plus, where we live is a very small community, and I work for myself, so there were different factors that I really felt isolated. And mm -hmm. I just said to my kids, listen, no one will ever replace your father, or it, it won't right. be, you know, what we had, but I would like to get out socially again. 
Well, tell us about a couple of your online dates because you talk about them in the book. I, I found your uh, your dating the part of your book about dating, which was a fair amount, was very interesting and I think could be very helpful for people who well, are thinking and, and about my it. Friends, because my there are people that, that want your widows. money, and there are people you know you have to be careful, don't you? Oh yeah, you have to be careful. And I was basically, you know, you, you connect with someone online and you exchange emails back and forth, but you don't you don't give any personal information. I was very leery of giving out my phone number. I wanted to proceed very carefully, and especially because I have, um, you know, children too. That was an added thing that I wanted to be protective of. Um, but then I did get to know a couple of the, the fellows, and um, you know, we went out on some dates, and, and I don't know. It's just that dating is so different, and and I guess things proceed at a lot quicker pace than what I'm used to from 20-some years ago. And um, what I realized is I was attracting men that said they wanted, you know, to have someone in their life, but everything they did said otherwise. I mean, they had, like, one guy, I refer to him as, as a social moron, which kind of sounds mean, but he had he had no interest. He, he said he wanted, you know, a relationship with someone. He really liked me, um, the whole spiel. Um, we had a lot of stuff in common, but um, he had no interest in my day-to-day activities. Um, he wouldn't even think to stop by my house and see how my day went. Um, he wouldn't call me during the day, um, just you know, once in a while to find out what's going on. We went out a couple times, and the, and the first time I ended up paying for dinner. And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, this isn't a good sign. <laughs> But, you know, I mean, I laugh now, but at the time it was very painful right? because I'm, I'm, I'm allowing myself to be, like, taken for granted. Well, you're taking a risk, but what would yeah. you say to the, our, our audience out there who are listening and say, okay, I want to try that? What would you say? Go for it? I would it. say, you know, get your feet wet with a little online dating. Just what I, what I did was I set up an email that um, it was just like a Yahoo account or one of those accounts that, you know, there was no personal information there. It was just an account for online dating. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, if you see someone that interests you, you contact them, you exchange emails. And I would do it for a little while until you get a sense of, you know, what this person is about. And and if people start, obviously, asking you for money or want to know how much money you make. See, I never put my personal thing down like that. I never put my income. Um, I never put anything where they could figure out, you know, where well, I One thing you said in the book is also that you decided to make yourself more socially available, just like talking to people in the supermarket, talking to people. You went kayaking and you talked to people, a guy on the shore, and, you know, just practicing having those social interchanges yes. is an important thing. And maybe that's the first step to dating is just putting yourself out there. And, you know, for someone who's relatively shy, it was very difficult for me to do that, um, you know, to make myself more Well, I don't think we're in the habit of doing it. And maybe even saying to somebody, can I meet you for coffee? And you, you said that you would never thought about approaching a man, and now you might think about doing that. How are things now? It's five years later. Have you had any, since you wrote the book, uh, the book's, what, a year, year and a half old or something? Okay. Well, that's the interesting part. The last date I had was two and a half years ago. And what happened at that time, that was someone um, who I decided um, really, I, I allowed him to treat me um, 
not like not like I deserved. He was very inconsiderate. Um, so at that point, I said to myself, okay, why am I allowing these people to come into my life? Why am I, you know, feeling interested in them? I really don't want to go out on these dates unless I find someone who's, um, you know, on the same wavelength as myself, very, you know, family-oriented, good sense of humor, someone who, who expresses some interest in me to start with. Right. So um, that's where I'm at. I've gone on a couple dates since then, but I'm very choosy now, and I'm I'm more um, I'm more uh, I guess you would say happy with myself. And and, it's, and it's been five years, so and, and, and I do intend and, to. I've got to say, I've got girlfriends that like you know are widows, and they've found um, great guys on the internet through Match.com, etc. And um, it's been a good thing. So yeah. I mean, it can be used good or whatever. Yeah, it can work for some people. Right. I never had too much luck with that, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can never rule out. Well, one of the things that I'm thinking about, you're kind of up in the the country, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Heidi's in New York City. I'm thinking there might be a, a right. bigger We're pool. Here. We're anyway, well, here, you know, it's time for us to close the show, Elaine. And I want to thank you for very much for being on the show. And, and I Elaine. would recommend that people get your book, A Journey Well Taken: Life After Loss. It's a great book. Thank you so much. And uh, did you have one last comment you wanted to give to our folks before you close the show? Before yeah, I would just let others know that are suffering this loss, that are going through this, that you know what. It, it is a terrible experience, but there is life and light at the end of the tunnel, but just remain open to life and living. Great. Well, thank you so much, Elaine Williams, for being on our show. You have been listening to Open to Hope Radio. You can sign up for our newsletter, Facebook, and Twitter on our homepage at opentohope.com.